Welcome back to the Meyer Jensen Sports Open Line. Swing it along with the left. That's a grand slam for Yannier Molina. This is Sports Open Line on KMOX. One hour down, we get hour number two underway. If you want to join us, 314-436-7900, 314-436-7900. That's how you call. That's how you text. You can tweet at me as well, at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. You can also follow me on Twitter if you'd like, and we can uh, continue the conversation, whether we are uh, in the middle of Sports Open Line or not. Later on uh, this hour, in about 15 minutes, we're going to shift gears and uh, talk uh, with uh, Blair Kirkhoff from the Kansas City Star, talk a little bit about what the Chiefs were able to do last night in their Monday Night Football victory against the Raiders. And we'll talk some more NFL football later on in the hour as well. A couple Interesting things going on right now in the National Football League. One, we've seen one coach get fired in Matt Rule of Carolina. Ron Rivera is saying some weird things right now in Washington. And then the NFL right now is trying to navigate through how they're dealing with concussions and how they're dealing with the roughing the passer penalty. Those two things are all happening kind of at the same time. So we'll get into that uh, a little bit later on. But more Cardinals baseball right now. Again, 314-436-7900. If you want to chime in on what went wrong for the Cardinals in their two-game sweep at the hands of the Philadelphia Phillies. Uh, Got a text message from uh, Fred in Columbia, Columbia, Missouri. says, yes. Uh, It says, I believe uh, Oliver Marmel rested too many key hitters in the last month of the season. Mentions that Aaron Judge didn't rest. Also, uh, Marmel changed what had worked, switching up uh, Poulos and Donovan in the lineup, where Poulos could have clogged up the base paths, made poor pitching decisions, taking Quintana and Gallegos out too soon, left Helsley in too long, and always need Carlson on the field. All right, so a few things there. I, did, I didn't like Poulos in the two spot. I did not like Poulos. You know, I changed my belief on the two spot when the Cardinals got Larry Walker. All the way back then. I've never come off of this. Larry Walker did not embarrass himself on the bases. He had a, he had enough speed on the bases, and he had pop. Like that's that's the guy that I want. And and obviously, Hall of Fame type player is you'll you'll put him anywhere. But I, you need to have a little bit of speed. But I also do like the pop. Like Pulis's bat was fine in the two spot. I didn't like his legs in the two spot. Now that being said, I I think. Look, we we know what baseball has turned into. You have to hit home runs to score runs, and that becomes even more important in the postseason. So you put you put Pools in that two spot, and then you follow that up with your MVP caliber players in Arnado and Goldschmidt. Uh, but I, I would have rather have seen Pools in the five spot than the two spot. If I would have been making up the order, that's what I, do, I would have done. That being said. We get way, way, way too worried about lineups. Lineups can have a little bit of an impact on a game. They don't have a huge impact. Like, there's a lot of things to be worried about that happens in a baseball game and before a game and after a game. Like, there's a lot of stuff to talk about. It's one of the reasons I love the game. Like, I, we can just talk about so many different things, and it's, it's wonderful. I think, for the most part, people who are overly worried about how a lineup is built – are worried about something that doesn't have that huge of an impact. As far as taking Quintana out, I understand the people out there that feel like he should have stayed in. And I don't mean to repeat myself because I've said this so many times. 
But taking a pitcher out at the exact right moment and taking a pitcher out too early looks exactly the same. You will never, ever be able to know if a manager made a decision and it was the perfect decision or it was a wrong decision. And what you're doing is you're looking at data, you're looking at information, you're evaluating how a pitcher is going in the moment, you're taking all the information that's out there, both from a statistical standpoint and from a in-the-moment perspective, and you're weighing it all out and you're making the decision. What I kind of lament is that the Cardinals were not able to get a couple runs on the board because if that's a if that's a two nothing game, if that's a three nothing game when Quintana's pitching, you you're able to take you're able to leave him in the game knowing that if things go a little bit haywire, you've got a cushion in there and you've got a little bit of time that something bad can happen and you can still be okay. When the game is scoreless and you know how tough runs are to score in the postseason, it's a little bit of a different situation, and the hand is almost being forced. If all the data out there says Phillies are really good, hitting a third time through, yada, 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 and the game is scoreless, and you as a manager really believe in that information that you have, and you should believe in that information, well, then you take Quintana out at that moment to try to prevent something that may or may not happen. That's what managing is now. At at times you are preventing something that may or may not have happened, whether or not you made that move, and you do it over and over and over again over the course of 162 games, you're going to be right more often than you're wrong. But when all of a sudden it's just a one-game situation and then everything else that happened in game number one, taking Quintana out at that moment, uh, was uh, it, it's easy to second-guess that decision. Uh, one of my former Wisconsin listeners who followed me along here to KMOX, who I appreciate, so Doug in Wisconsin, says, I guess the Brewers and Cardinals are both a little shocked. The Brewers didn't even get in. Cardinals out already. Hitting did them both in. Uh, the records don't mean anything. I really think the Padres and Phillies get into the National League Championship. The Padres are very dangerous. I, I think any of the teams that are still alive in the National League absolutely could get into the NLCS. I have I have no clue. I think I was wrong, by the way. We did predictions. I don't know if it ever posted at KMOX.com or not, but we did we did do predictions, and I wrote up uh, a thing of uh, predictions, and I got every single series wrong on my prediction. I mean, that's that's impressive, right? That's impressive. I got every single one wrong. I thought the Cardinals were going to win. I thought the Blue Jays were going to win. I thought the Mets were going to win. And which uh, which series and whatever the other series. I, I thought uh, Tampa Bay was going to win. Wrong, 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 wrong. Like, it, and I I got no problem telling you when I'm wrong. It's just that's that's the randomness. I got them all wrong, and I had good reasons. I had good reasoning for every single one of those uh, series predictions that I made, and I got every single one of those things wrong. It's like the NCAA basketball tournament, and the the person out there that picks their bracket based off what their favorite mascot is and ends up winning the darn bracket challenge. Like that. That's that's what more and more the baseball postseason is kind of becoming 
And, and going back to the format that we talked about earlier, you know, Major League Baseball owners, they wanted one more team in. So they wanted seven teams from the from each league into the postseason, and only one team was going to receive the bye. Now, here's the thing. Like, Major League Baseball owners, they didn't want to put more teams into the postseason because they want to create more drama for fans and they want to create a better product and, and, and all that. Um, they, they did it for the money. They did it for the money. More postseason baseball, more national TV broadcast, more money. That's why they did it. The TV money that is connected to Major League Baseball is largely connected to the um, is largely connected to the to the playoff baseball. So that's why they did it, and that's why they want to add another postseason team in there. From the three one four, a diehard Cardinal fan says, "You're starting to sound like someone drinking the Kool Aid, where you find a reason." that the Cardinals do everything right. Okay, so that's interesting because I've been accused of that a little bit already. In my very short time here at KMOX, I've been accused of that. And let me respond to that because I don't agree. I think I've said the things that I didn't agree with. I've not. They did not do everything right. The things off the top of my head, things I wish they would have done differently. I didn't like Pulse in the two spot. Uh, I didn't like Andre Pallante coming in that game when he did. Now, I was wrong on that because... Palante did his job. Guys behind him didn't make plays, but Palante did his job. So I didn't like Palante uh, coming in. They should have had somebody up warming in the bullpen the moment Helsley gives up a hit uh, in that ninth inning, just so they have the option to make the the choice uh, whenever they want to make it. Like there, there are a number of things that I did disagree with, but. What I'm trying to say to you, because I think Oliver Marmol is a really, really smart guy, and I think he has good answers and good reasoning for everything that he does. So if we get into the Jose Quintana thing, you can argue that he should have stayed in the game longer. And that is, that is a valid argument. But you know what? The reason that Quintana came out of the game, that's a valid argument too. And what I am going to present to you is the reasons that the decisions were made. And even when I don't agree with a decision... I can be pretty confident that the reasoning behind those decisions is good. I am someone, and I, I take pride in this, and I think, oh, I think we in this world need to do a better job of this. I work really hard, whether it's sports, whether it's politics, whether it's uh, social issues, like whatever it is, when I'm evaluating something and when I'm coming to a decision, I work really hard to see why the people I disagree with are coming to those decisions, and I try to respect like their decision-making process. Understand why somebody is doing something. Even if you don't agree with it, you can understand that process. And that's all I'm trying to do here. Try, and the, Every single decision that was made by the Cardinals during the series There is a good, logical reason behind it. You can agree or you can disagree with with said decision. I didn't like Palante in that moment. There was very sound logic for why Palante was going to do, and I was the wrong one who was wrong on that one because Palante did his job. That's all I'm saying. 
All right, uh, when we come back, we're going to switch gears. We're going to talk uh, football, starting with what the Kansas City Chiefs did last night on Monday Night Football. Blair Kirkhoff from the Kansas City Star, he joins us next. This is Sports Open Line on KMOX. Sunday, the Chiefs entertain the Bills at Arrowhead, and you can hear the game here. Touchdown, Kansas City! Kickoff 325, the Chiefs, the Bills. Sunday, on your home for Chiefs football. KMOX. Burton, the fullback, offset eye. Edwards Hilaire, the tailback. 24-23 Chiefs. First down and goal to go at the one. They're going to throw it. Near side it is. Caught! Touchdown! Kansas City! Travis Kelsey! One, two, three, four touchdown receptions. This time on a play-action fake. And the Chiefs may go for two, leading 30-23. to 23. It was quite the performance, quite the comeback for the Chiefs last night. You heard it right here on KMOX. That's Mitch Holtis on the Chiefs Radio Network. Love listening to Mitch Holtis broadcast football. As far as I'm concerned, Mitch is the best team play-by-play radio broadcaster in the NFL. I'm glad, glad we're able to uh, bring him your way here on KMOX. Let's bring in uh, right now a guy who uh, covers uh, the Chiefs and all things Kansas City sports uh, for the Kansas City Star, KansasCity.com. He is Blair Kirkhoff. Follow him on Twitter at Blair, K-E-R-K-H-O-F-F. Blair, thanks so much for your time. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, look, what last night, the comeback, the individual performance, I mean, the the last night is a, a sports writer's dream because there were so many storylines and narratives. When when that game gets done, what's the thing that most sticks out to you? Uh, that I'm not going to get much sleep uh, <laughs> that night uh, for a night game. Yeah, you're right. I mean, from a, uh, from a story angle perspective, there was a ton that went on in that game, and the only thing that would have made it better was if it had started at noon. <laughs> and so you'd have had all afternoon to, you know, to develop and, and write it. But as it was, it was uh, amazing, right? You know, Travis Kelsey's four touchdowns, the rough on the passer penalty that made Arrowhead Stadium as, as angry as I've ever heard it, to the, the Devontae Adams push caught on camera of a, you know, of a cameraman after the game, and a lot of big decisions that happened in that game. How about all this stuff happens, and a backup kicker kicked a record-long field goal for the Chiefs and that's not even you know page five story uh, when it comes to this game. When when you saw them get down big, did you feel like okay they're they're still very much in this game? You know I, I really didn't to be honest with you. Look, they've been down with, with Mahomes as quarterback. They've been down big before. They were they were down twenty four to nothing in the divisional round against the Houston Texans the year they won the Super Bowl, but. Um, but it, it just seems like it seems like uh, the, the fact that this happened in a way that you know the Chiefs didn't they didn't commit a turnover you know they they were being stopped and stuffed and it almost was like the Raiders had figured something out and maybe they had caught the Chiefs at the right time between the victory over Tampa Bay last week and then they've got the game next week against Buffalo maybe two of the two the, the two highest profile games on their schedule this year maybe the Raiders just caught them at the right time and. I, I I do know this. I, when I thought it was fourteen, to, it was fourteen to nothing, and the Raiders had the ball in you know around the thirty or so, fourth and one, and they called a timeout. And I thought, you know what? 
they're probably going to bring the, I think they're going to talk about it and bring the field goal unit on and turned out, I mean, they got their points, but I just remember thinking at the moment that I wonder if this is going to come back and haunt them. If somehow the chiefs can put together some kind of rally because with Mahomes and the chiefs, if you have a chance to bury him, you've got to take that chance, even if there's a risk involved and the Raiders, I think, missed that opportunity early in the game. You mentioned the roughing the passer. The, the NFL's in a really weird spot right now. That There was the roughing the passer Tom Brady call the other day, and then we've got all this concussion stuff that's going on. And it, oh, I know they're not directly related, but they kind of are. And it feels like there's like a, you know, you're trying to reconcile between letting football be played against keeping players protected. And I just, I don't, I don't know what the answer is. And I don't know if the NFL knows what the answer is right now. No, you're right. I think there's a, uh, a lot of confusion, uncertainty about what should and shouldn't be called. I, to me, I think you can I, I think you can draw a line from that play last night through the, you know, the Tom Brady sack on Sunday and go back to not only the the, the Tua Tungavailoa sack against the Bengals that that caused that hideous scene with him on the ground and his fingers stiffened, but back to the uh, earlier. Uh, to a concussion that the Miami Dolphins didn't handle well at all and allowed him to play and, you know, risk further head injury. I think it's all in the same stew, if you will. And so NFL being a little more cautious than it should have been cost the Chiefs a possession and a turnover on a great play by Chris Jones, who, you know, beat his man and got to Derek Carr forced the, you know, forced the strip and, and had the ball in his arms as he was going down and actually stuck his left arm out to brace himself um, and to, for, for the, to make the fall less uh, dramatic, and he still gets the flag on it. And, you know, it's, I, I've never seen Andy Reid as angry over a call, and, and I've been following the Chiefs this way for about, about, about 10 years now, and he was as he spent the rest of the half trying to get Carl Sheffer's attention and uh, and finally got to talk to him as they walked off the field at halftime. But I've never seen him so angry. He was absolutely furious. Now, he didn't bring that into the postgame. He just you know basically touched on it and moved on. But um, I imagine there's a lot of co- <clears throat> uh, a long conversation going on between the Chiefs and the NFL office this week. From a common sense standpoint, I feel like there's got to be a difference between – all of your weight landing on a guy just kind of in the motion of a sack and then all of your weight landing on a guy and staying on a guy. like that That's the difference to me, but maybe I don't know what I'm talking about. No, no. You're, we were talking about that in the press box uh, at halftime. Is common sense needed to be applied there. Um, you've got, you know, you, you've got several officials on the field. Um, you know, they, they did meet and discuss. And there was a long discussion about that before the, you know, um, and, and then, you know, the flag had come out almost immediately. And then there was the discussion and then there was the announcement of the flag. And I'd like to know what happened in the, in that discussion, because I, we, you know, we got a, we had the pool reporters quote from Carl Sheffers and, you know, basically the, the, the emphasis is on protecting the quarterback and pr- protecting the unguarded player because he is, and I get that. And um, you should protect an unguarded player. You know, the, the Chiefs are playing the Bills this weekend, and people want to see Patrick Mahomes against Josh Allen. They don't want to see the backup quarterbacks in that game. So I, I totally get that. But Chris Jones made a great football play, and he wasn't malicious about it, and he didn't, you know, 
he, he, you know, he, he, he asked the question himself. What's he supposed to do? Stop and, you know, and not tackle? Is he supposed to just wrap his arms around him and, and, and let that be it? He was trying to make a football play, and he, like, he stripped the ball. He, he, it was a great defensive play, and, um, and, and he gets penalized for it. So you're right. We're in this odd place, kind of like we were with pass interference a few years ago when, you know, when, that, uh, when the Saints lost the NFC title game to the Rams, and, and, and so the rule was changed after that. I, they'll, they'll, I'll be curious to see what the discussion points are this week in the NFL uh, because it was, it's, it's one thing if it's if it's just one incident with Tom Brady, but then to, ha- to have the uh, a huge audience last night uh, watch the you know watch what happened, I, I think that's going to prompt a big discussion this week. Just a couple more things for Blair Kirkhoff from the Kansas City Star joining us here on a Sports Open Line. You allude to the game coming up this Sunday. Chiefs and Bills, two four and one teams, two legitimate Super Bowl con- uh, contenders. Buffalo has opened up as the favorite, even though the game's going to be played uh, at Arrowhead. How big can a game be in Week Number Six of the regular season? Well, it, it, it's obviously huge in terms of attention, and I think these are the two best teams in the AFC. Uh, they certainly are through the first you know, five weeks of the season. There's a there's some interesting motivational factors on both sides. Of course, the you know, the Bills losing at in dramatic fashion at Arrowhead in the playoffs last year, second time second year in a row they've been knocked out of the playoffs by the Chiefs at Arrowhead, and and then you know the Chiefs lost got crushed by the Bills during the regular season at Arrowhead last year, and the Chiefs are going into this game as an underdog at home, and this is the first time in Patrick Mahomes' career that he's been an underdog at home. Now, the Chiefs have been an underdog at home during the Mahomes era, but he, he didn't play for whatever reason, whether he was injured or Andy Reid was resting starters because they had their playoff seat clinched. So it's a new place for, for Patrick Mahomes as well. And I think the NFL is so much about motivation and you know how you can get yourself inspired to, to play. And I think both teams have it. What this game is for, you know, the importance of this is for the tiebreaker. If they end up being tied and, um, and, and home, you know, a playoff position, the one seed perhaps is on the line, you know, that means a first-round bye and home field throughout of the AFC playoffs. And um, that's, that's, what, that's the big um, uh, prize for the winner of this game or potentially the big prize. Last thing for you, I don't want to get you out of here without getting just a, a quick thought on the Missouri Tigers because last time we had you on, it was just off that loss against Kansas State, which was very one-sided in the month since. A win against Abilene Christian that wasn't overly impressive. A game they shouldn't have lost against Auburn. A game against Georgia where they were up for most of the game, couldn't hold on. They play another tight one against Florida this past weekend, but they keep losing. When you evaluate this team, are you giving them credit for playing some close games against some good teams lately, or is it more just about the fact that they're not winning and they're they're very disappointing in terms of their two and four record? Well, I think that part is true. The two and four record is is disappointing. My my thought for the Tigers going into the season was just just get the bowl eligibility this year. They um, get get quarterback figured out and get the bowl eligibility and go from there. And now it's going to be a big challenge needing to win uh, four of the last six to to get there. They get a couple of games on the schedule that they should take care of. New Mexico State being one of, and I think Vanderbilt. You know, at home should be another win, but then they got to find a way to win a couple more among the Tennessees, Kentuckys, Arkansas, and South Carolina. I, I'm, I think they're a little bit behind schedule this year. 
And, you know, maybe that had to do with, um, you know, quarter, quarterback play is certainly uh, part of the reason. Brady Cook is, you know, is still a work in progress. And, um, you know, the, he brought in three Division One. Eli Drinkwitz brought in three Division One transfers this summer. None of them decided to stay in Columbia. So Brady Cook became the starting quarterback. And they've got some pieces, right? They Luther Burden is, uh, is, is I think, is a, is a talent waiting to – emerge and I, I really like Dominic Lovett and uh, Nate Pete, the running back from Columbia Rockbridge. They, they absolutely, Oh, and, and, and on defense, what a big step forward it's been this year, especially the, the line, but the transfer linebacker Tyron Hopper. I, there's a lot to like about this team. They just haven't been able to put it together yet. And I, you know, I mentioned Brady cook and the, I think that the offense just hasn't been imaginative enough. I, I think they need to open it up somehow. Offensive line needs to play a little bit better, and uh, and maybe they can steal a couple in the second half to get that bowl eligibility. You know, maybe they can find a way to win at South Carolina. Um, maybe maybe get Arkansas at the end of the season. But um, they put themselves in a difficult position to you know to practice throughout December and then play in a bowl game. Blair, we always appreciate you being so gracious with your time. Encourage people to follow you on Twitter at Blair Kirkhoff. More importantly, read you in the Kansas City Star at KansasCity.com. Thanks again for your time. Look forward to talking to you again in the future. Sounds good. All right, there's Blair Kirkhoff joining us, and we appreciate him uh, very, very much. One of the great sports writers uh, in the Midwest and love getting his thoughts uh, on the Chiefs, on Missouri, on everything uh, going on. We'll take a break. We've got a lot more to uh, get to, including the precarious situation the NFL is in right now that we had just alluded to. That's coming up. It's Sports Open Line on KMOX. Welcome back to the Meyer Jensen Sports Open Line. Swing it along with the left. That's a grand slam for Yadier Molina. This is Sports Open Line on KMOX. We do continue here on a Tuesday evening, about 20 minutes left in the program. We're going to try something new, by the way, tonight. Hancock and Kelly, they are going to be in at 8 o'clock in our next segment. They're going to join us. We're going to do a little crosstalk. That's going to be something I'm going to try to do. I don't know how it's going to work out. But uh, At Your Service comes up at uh, 8 o'clock. So coming up later on, we'll talk to them, find out what's going on in their show, find out what they're thinking about the Cardinals, doing all that sort of stuff. But uh, a little more football. We just talked with uh, Blair Kirkhoff, and we talked a lot about that roughing the passer call last night on Monday Night Football. And you had the roughing the passer call um, on Tom Brady. And all the while, we've got this concussion stuff going on. The NFL and the NFL Players Association, they just revamped the concussion rules where now there's even less control from a team where if a player basically exhibits any signs of having a concussion, they're no longer eligible to reenter the game. And the NFL keeps getting to these points of... I want to call them crossroads, but the NFL is also so incredibly powerful. It's like it almost doesn't matter. Previously, when all the concussion stuff was going on, there were people out there predicting the demise of the National Football League, and that didn't happen. Remember there was the concussion movie with Will Smith, and everybody thought that, oh, everybody's going to watch this, and it's going to impact football forever. People didn't go to that movie, and here's why. People don't want to hear about it. Like. You, you you work 40 hours a week, 50 hours a week, you're underpaid, you got a lot of people who are asking a lot of you, you got a lot going on at home, you're getting medical bills every single day, like your your life just has a lot of drama to it, and then you get your three hours on Sunday to watch your football team, and that's where everything in the world is okay. I've actually got this belief, so 
you go to NFL games, and I've not been to an NFL game in a really, really long time. Last time I was regularly going to NFL games was when I was working in Colorado, and I was at Broncos games a lot. But the amount of drinking that happens at an NFL game is insane. And I really believe that there are people out there that basically take their disposable income that they have and they're spending it on their opportunity to go to an NFL game because it is so flipping expensive and you go and you're just going to make a day out of it and you end up drinking a ton and doing everything else. And I do think it's a problem for the NFL. The going to, I would have no problem taking my child to a Cardinals game. I have no problem taking my child to a Blues game. I have no problem taking my child to a college sporting event. We can go to Columbia. We can go to a Mizzou game. It doesn't matter. I would think twice before taking my child to an NFL game, depending on where I am going to be sitting. That is an environment that I don't know if I want to be around. So it does. the NFL is just this unstoppable force that people want, and they're going to spend their family vacation money on and, and do all that sort of thing. It's a really weird dynamic, but here we are at maybe another crossroads where they have to get this concussion thing figured out of how they're going to move forward with that all at the same time. I would argue, some would say it's an indirect um, impact on the game. I think it's a direct impact. I If what went down in Miami does not go down, I'm not convinced that roughing the passer is called on the Tom Brady call or Tom Brady play this past weekend, and I'm not convinced it's called last night in the Monday Night Football game. It's all interconnected, and the NFL has got to get it all figured out. And as I sit here right now, I go, I don't know how they're going to do it. I don't know how you get that all figured out. But I also know the NFL will. This is going to be a complete non-issue at some point in the future. I don't know when, but uh, Blair alluded to it. It was just a few years ago that there was such issues with the uh, past interference calls. And he said, how is the NFL going to get past this? How is the NFL going to be able to figure all of this out? And they did. Like we, It's just not a big deal anymore when you talk about the past interference calls. One other thing I wanted to mention real quickly when we're talking about the NFL. Uh, we saw one coach get fired in Matt Rule. And we could have seen this coming from 100 miles away. Rule was somebody who had major success as a college coach, and he had a little bit of NFL assistant experience, and somehow, some way, he got lifted up to be this high-profile NFL coaching candidate, and then you got a really rich owner in Carolina who all of a sudden started bidding against the New York Giants a few years ago who also had a coaching opening, and they gave a ton of money to Matt Rule when he had very little experience in the NFL at all and had zero experience as an NFL head coach. Just because you're the head coach at Baylor does not make you prepared to be an NFL coach. I'll take an NFL offensive or defensive coordinator over a college coach any day for my team. And I remember after his first season, he had this really arrogant quote. I I remember it so vividly. They're doing their end-of-season news conference. And Matt Rule, I don't, you know, they won four or five games, whatever it was. And he had this statement. He's like, oh, we're not going to. Or not, these games, these type of seasons aren't going to exist around here moving forward. Yeah, they are because you don't know what you're doing and you couldn't admit it and you were so arrogant and here you are fired a few years later. 
And it's such a balancing act when it comes to coaches in the NFL. I think the world of Ron Rivera. I think Ron Rivera is a good man, and I think he's a good coach. But this past week, when he was comparing his team, Washington, to the other teams in the NFC East, he was asked a question. He was asked, uh, what's the difference between you and the other teams? And he just said quarterback. Now, what he was trying to say is that the other teams in the NFC had quarterbacks who were more established than the quarterback that he had, which even that's not completely true. I mean, look what's going on in Dallas. Dak Prescott has been injured. So you got Cooper Rush going out there and winning game after game. Okay, Daniel Jones has been around for a little while in New York, but all at the same time, they've got a new coaching staff there. Jones hasn't done a whole lot. So using that as an excuse, I don't think is valid in the first place, but you got to explain that. You got to say why you're saying quarterback because all of a sudden everybody says you got a head coach throwing your quarterback under the bus. It was a really, really bad look when you as a coach are reliant upon your players going out and playing hard so you can win games and you can keep your job and you can continue to get paid millions and millions of dollars. I wouldn't want to be an NFL head coach, but the, the balancing act of everything going on and watching what happened with Matt Rule this week and then happening what's going on with Ron Rivera, it's just something to really take note of uh, in the National Football League. Again, uh, we're looking forward to uh, this upcoming Sunday. We are your home for Chiefs football. We'll have the Chiefs and the Bills. That's going to be uh, a big one. All right, up next, we're going to do a little crosstalk uh, at your service tonight, going to uh, feature Hancock and Kelly. The guys are in studio. We'll find out what's going on. And I also have a big question for Matt Pajeski about a possible segment on Sports Open line in the future that he thinks I shouldn't do. We're going to find out why. That's all coming up at Sports Open Line. We're back with more in a moment here on KMOX. Starting to wrap up this edition of Sports Open Line here on KMOX. Real quickly, so uh, Matt Pajeski, sports producer extraordinaire, we were having a very important conversation prior to the show today. I got a pitch email from the uh, Oscar Mayer Wiener Mobile people. Ooh. And they want to come on and just talk about the Wiener because the Wiener Mobile is going to be visiting St. Louis. I'm like, that sounds like an awesome conversation. Got to do it. Got to do it. Yeah. And Matt's like, but it's not sports. So is that it? You, I, you don't think I should have the Wiener Mobile people? I'm trying, on? To, I'm trying to think with my producer hat on. Mm. I don't know how much how much time you get out of the Wiener Mobile guys. Oh, I oh. bet I bet they would have a lot of the good technology stuff. that has to go into that thing. You got the you got the bun there. Oh, you got the wheels on the bun. <laughs> you know the wheels on the bun go round and round. It's, and, it's uh, still a car. They're just driving for a living. And yeah, just... Well, you got the dog, and you got the steering wheel inside the hot dog. I mean, I think uh, we all got questions. I'm all in. Yeah. All right. That's John Hancock. Hancock and Kelly going to be uh, coming up here in uh, just a little while. How? What? Where did you guys watch the uh, the Cardinals games? Were you? Were you I was all at in? Home. Okay. I was home nursing my wife. All right. I was uh, at home as well, and I'd, I'd have to tell you, Friday was so gut wrenching. Yeah. That Saturday felt inevitable. When I woke up Saturday morning, I was like, eh, "This isn't going to go well." I was holding out hope until the final out on yeah. Saturday. I, I didn't know if they were going to win the series, but I really thought they were going to force a game well, three. Well, they had a tying run on. Yeah. And uh, what we had runners at first and third in that ninth inning, right, with uh, two outs? Yeah. And Edmund popped up to uh, Edmundo Sosa. Yeah, he made the fi- The guy that you trade yeah. to essentially keep a roster spot for Paul DeYoung, who yeah. didn't do a whole lot, yeah, ends didn't. up uh, making the final out in yeah. that series. It's wasn't uh, The optics were not great on that. It was a disappointing end to what had been such a magical 
season. Yeah. You know, and you just, yeah. you almost felt like going into it that there, there's no, you know, we're going to, the karma's there. We're going to win this thing. And then, but I poof. did, but I don't know about you guys. I did wake up Sunday and thought, you know what? I had a pretty good summer watching Cardinal baseball. Um, and it was over with. It didn't linger long. It's still lingering for me. But I mean, think about what I do. Like, I, yeah. I, I get up so much for hosting the pregame and the postgame, and yeah. I love doing it. Yeah. Like, you, I've So I've been in baseball broadcasting in some form or another for close to 20 years. I did 10 years of minor league baseball play-by-play. Nice. And then after that, I was with the Brewers for six years, and now I'm in my first year with the Cardinals. So 16, 17 years of doing this. And it's the weirdest I don't. I don't even know what players feel like because you just spend six months every single day, and wow. all of a sudden, it's just done. And I walked into Bush Stadium on Saturday not knowing if there would be a game or not on Sunday, and then boom, it's just it's over. over. It's a yeah. really weird feeling. It's like the final night of a, of a play run if you're in the cast. Huh. You know, it, you, you go through all of those rehearsals and all of that preparation, then you have the show, and it may run for, you know, a couple of weeks and or, or longer, and then it's the final night, and it's over, and you're never going to really see these people again that you've spent so much time with. You know, it's a, it's a weird thing. And you think about the Cardinals, uh, Yachty and Albert, maybe Wayno, um, and certainly there'll be some of these players on this team that aren't going to be around again, you know, and it's just, it's, it does kind of leave you empty. The baseball like lifestyle is also weird because, kind of, to your point, you're with the exact same people for six months. You create these friendships, you're around them. And then all of a sudden, you're just not around them anymore. Yeah. And if you see them again, it's like you saw them yesterday. But there's also a chance you may never see somebody again forever. Like, you don't stay in contact with people in the offseason that much either. It's a really, really weird thing when you work around baseball. Well, and they're young people, so they've got young families. And <clears throat> so many of them have young children at home. And so, you know, not a whole lot of socializing when you're raising kids like that. Um so yeah, it's a it's a very I don't know I've never experienced anything like a baseball team like uh, over the, over that time, but it's it's weird. It is. What do you guys have coming up on the show? Tonight? Oh, so much. Well, uh, <laughs> well, let's stick with sports. We're going to talk about what we did today. John Hancock. This is by the way. Uh, by the way, this is a sports show. Yes, and I have I've been listening, Matt, and I, I think you do a fine fine job. Thank you. But not once have I heard you discuss the World Snooker Tour. Uh, on the snooker, well, because yes, he'd like to keep what listeners KMOX have. And the great Ronnie O'Sullivan, as you probably are aware, good old uh, Ronnie, yeah, just won. I'd like to call him ROS. Yeah, yeah he just yeah. won the. Uh, well, he's the Rocket. He just won the Hong Kong Masters uh, last Sunday. Mm. Big event, massive. Did you guys have a party? Well, it was big. It was Don't the largest. Me into this category. It was the largest <laughs> live audience to ever watch a snooker match. We have 9,000 like people. What's a, what's snooker? <laughs> Did you hear that? 9,000 9, people. people. Well, yeah. that's a lot of people watching a pool table. I mean, you know. Oh. Worldwide? No, no. In the arena. Live. Oh, there were 9,000 people 9,000 people What's in the wrong arena? with those 9,000 people? <laughs> so snooker is a pool. I don't know. Snooker it's is a, a pool game? It's a billiard game. Okay, yeah. billiard game. Excuse yeah. me. Yeah. No, it's much harder than pool. It's played on table, a 12-foot table. Smaller balls, smaller pockets. Pockets are rounded and not pointed, and so you've got to be dead center to pot a ball. It's uh, it's a tough game. So you're going to do two hours on the World Snooker Tour tonight? Well, we may, it may come up. 
I was hoping to get a little sleep, so have at it, like Boyd. Talk we, about so this if we hear thing. snoring in the background, yeah, we know our, what's going on. We've got our sports insider, our, our weekly visit with Sean Michael Lyle coming up. That's always okay. fascinating. And then uh, what's trending with Braxton Payne? Yeah, you know our sports insider is John Hancock Jr., who knows as much about football as anybody I've ever met. Okay. And uh, he also um, is a big, a big, a big fan of Oh What's the guy he doesn't like? Baker Mayfield. Oh, yeah. He can't yeah. stand Baker Well, he's out for the next uh, four yeah. weeks. So yeah. he's he a really? high ankle sprain, so yeah. he's out for a while. That'll be an improvement. All right. At your service, Hancock and Kelly, they are on the way next. I'll be back tomorrow. We've got two-hour shows the rest of the week. We'll nice. be with you uh, 6 o'clock to 8 o'clock all week long. Thanks so much for uh, being tuned in. We talk through the Cardinals series loss together. Mm. We'll continue to do that all week long. This has been Sports Open Line. We'll talk to you tomorrow right here on KMOX.